Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. We love scary old-time radio stories. There's nothing quite like a disembodied voice telling a genuinely disturbing tale, but maybe that's just us. Maybe these stories don't actually hold up all this time. So we're revisiting these old shows to put the tear on trial. Do they still work in the 21st century, or are we being deceived by nostalgia? Are these stories blood-chilling? Or butt-numbing. For tonight's episode, I've chosen The Shadow People, an episode of the 1950s show Hall of Fantasy. Richard Thorne and Carl Grayson started the show as murder mystery show on KALL in Salt Lake City in 1946, but that incarnation only lasted a year. By coincidence, the two happened to be working together again at WGN in Chicago in 1949. They revived the show with a greater focus on the supernatural. Richard Thorne wrote or adapted the stories from this new version until it eventually ended in 1953. Despite its small budget, the show was picked up by the Mutual Broadcasting System for national audiences in 1952. This episode, The Shadow People, originally aired early in September of 1952 and depicts a supernatural threat so fundamental and timeless that it has been the topic of horror films as recent as this year. As was common with the series, the episode features a strong sense of good and evil, and good people don't tend to fare too well when confronted by genuine evil. So now, it's time to listen to The Shadow People. Eric? Forget the petty distractions around you. Forget what you think you know. Forget everything but what you hear right now. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. And now... The Hall of Fantasy. Welcome to the Hall of Fantasy. Welcome to the series of radio dramas dedicated to the supernatural, the unusual, and the unknown. Come with me, my friend. We shall descend to the world of the unknown and forbidden, down to the depths where the veil of time is lifted, and the supernatural reigns as king. Come with me and listen to the tale of the Shadow People. Elaine, have you been... I mean, have you seen anything else since you spoke to me last? No, I haven't. Ever since Mother died, nothing's happened. Well, I only hope... I came from upstairs. Come on. Oh, you don't I don't know anything. what to say. I only hope that... David, if anything's happened to him... We'll see in a moment. There's no light in this room. You wait here, Elaine. Where's the light? Over to your left. David. What's wrong? Why didn't you leave the light on? Your father's dead, Elaine. In just a moment, the Hall of Fantasy will present The Shadow People. And now for our story. 
an original tale of fantasy by Richard Thorne entitled The Shadow People. Somewhere along the line of your life, you've met them. You have come in contact with the shadow people. When did we first discuss it? Oh, yes, Brian and Elaine and I. It was in my apartment. There was only one light on in the entire place. Oh. What's wrong? Elaine, what's the matter? Oh, it's silly, I know, but I've, I I thought I saw something in that doorway over there. Where? Over there, right over there. Where are you going, David? Over to that archway, just to let you know that nothing's here. Huh. You see, Elaine, nothing's wrong, nothing at all. Are you satisfied that there's no one else here but us? Yes, I... Oh, I'm sorry. I just thought that I... Leave the overhead lights on. I'm sorry. I thought that... Put them back on, David, please. All right, Elaine. Look, what's bothering you, sis? I don't know. It's just that... I don't know. Tell us about it, Elaine. Tell us what's bothering you. You promise that you... You won't laugh at me? Of course not. Brian? Elaine, I'm your brother. If something's troubling you, I'd like to know about it. All right, then. The reason I was so upset was the fact that I saw someone or something standing in that archway. But Elaine, David showed you that there was no one else in here. When the lights were put on, you saw for yourself that we were alone. I'm not talking about something you you can see in the light, Brian. I'm not talking about a human being. And what's it all about, Elaine? In the darkness, I, I saw something that can't be seen in a lighted area. And I've seen it several times before. You sure you're not imagining this, Elaine? Oh, I don't have that good an imagination, Brian. How long have you have you seen this thing, Elaine? Well, it it started about six weeks ago. You were in Detroit on business, Brian. Mom and Dad were on vacation. I was in the house by myself, in the library. There was only one light on. I sat in the chair beneath it, reading. Several times I thought that something was watching me. I felt there was someone in the room with me, standing right in back of me. Every so often, I'd glance back over my shoulder, but there seemed to be nothing there. And then... Then I thought I heard someone whispering. I wasn't sure, but when I heard it again, I got up and I, I, I looked all over the house. Oh, I'm not easily frightened, you know that, but... But out in the hallway... It was almost entirely black. Luckily, I was near a light switch. I looked back over my shoulder, and, and I saw this huge, hulking shape for the first time. And I heard a voice. Or rather, the whisper of a voice. I couldn't distinguish the words, but that dark shape seemed to be moving towards me. My hand was on the light switch, and I turned it on. In a minute, the light flooded the hallway. The shape was gone. There was nothing there. I was alone again. As long as there's light, I know it can't hurt me. I know it can't reach me. You might have imagined it, you know. Of course, that's possible, but I'm sure I didn't. It was so real. So real, that shape in the darkness. It was the very essence of evil itself. There was an old man I knew of, a Dr. Hesedius. 
I'd heard that he knew quite a good deal about the supposed supernatural manifestations which had taken place in the world. I went to him to see if he knew anything that might explain the events of the story Elaine had told us. Yes, my good sir. What do you wish? I have an appointment with Dr. Hesedius. Oh, yes, yes. He mentioned something about it. You are Mr. Drake? Yes. If you'll come inside. Thank you. Dr. Hesedius is in the study. Please come with me. Doctor? A visitor for you? Oh, yes. Bring him in. May go now? Yes, Doctor. Mr. Drake? Yes. Sit down, please, in that chair over there. Thank you, sir. Now, what is the nature of your visit to me? Well, I understand, Dr. Vesalius, that you have a great knowledge of the supernatural manifestations which have occurred on the earth. Great knowledge, Mr. Drake? No, hardly that. I have only scratched the surface in my years of study. Perhaps I can help you, then again, perhaps I cannot. Well, may I tell you the story? By all means, my good sir. All right. Now, this didn't happen to me, Doctor, but to my fiancée. It seems that about six weeks ago, when she was alone... But when the light was on, the dark form disappeared. And that's the story, sir. As much of it as I can remember. Mm -hmm. I see. It's a strange tale to tell. I'm fully aware of that, Dr. Vesalius. You say she seemed to hear whispered voices? Yes, that's what she says. I see. A moment, please. I have a book in my file. Oh, yes. Here it is. This is the one. Yes. Perhaps I may be able to help you after all. Let me see. This is a very ancient book, Mr. Drake. I seem to remember... Yes. Here is an account of a happening such as you relate. And we shall live on the earth and they shall not see us. Yes, yes it has been foretold by the ruler of the darkness. They who live by day and retire to sleep by night shall never know that we walk with them, that we watch them, that we wait for our chance. Only in the night will they see us, for in the daylight we are not seen. Only in the night, when the darkness grows together and the forms of the shadow people are shaped from the blackness, they will know us. Then they will know that we are their companions, for we are the shadow people. I knew I had read something similar to the story you have told me, Mr. Drake. Dr. Asilius, what can we do? Well, give me a little time. Let me see if I can find any more references to these uh, people of the darkness. One more thing, Mr. Drake. Be sure that your fiancée is never left alone at night. Be sure that there is some living thing, animal or human, which accompanies her every second of the night. For she is in danger, Mr. Drake. A terrible danger. Back now to our story. An original tale of fantasy by Richard Thorne entitled The Shadow People. That night, the night of the day I had seen Celius, Elaine's mother died. 
She died in her sleep. When she failed to appear for breakfast, Elaine's father went upstairs to see what was wrong. When he entered her room, he discovered that she was dead. The family doctor couldn't explain it, for Elaine's mother had been in perfect health. A few weeks later, I was out of the house spending a weekend with them. I glanced at the clock on the mantel, and it showed 11. I can't understand why Brian hasn't returned from town. Well, he said he had some extra work to catch up on. He told me this morning that he might be late. Well, 11 o'clock, I'm going upstairs. Glad you came out, David. It's good seeing you again. It's a pleasure to be here, sir. Well, don't stay up too late. See you both in the morning. Good night, Dad. Good night, Mr. Davis. He isn't the same, David. Ever since Mother died, he hasn't been the same. I didn't realize that until the night. It's changed. I only hope that he'll start living again. Ever since she died, it seems that a part of him died with her. Elaine, have you been... I mean, have you seen anything else since you spoke to me last? No, I haven't. Ever since... Mother died. Nothing's happened. Well, I only hope. Came from upstairs. Come on. You don't. Think I don't know what to think. I only hope. That... David. David, if anything's happened to him, we'll see in a moment. There's no light in his room. You wait here, Elaine. Where's the light? Over to your left. David, what's wrong? Why didn't you leave the light on? Your father's dead, Elaine. <laughs> I'd walked into the darkened bedroom. On the bed was Elaine's father. It didn't take a second look for me to note that he was dead. I switched off the light and walked back into the hallway to tell Elaine what happened. And then from the room there had come an eerie, quiet laughter... In the darkness of that room was some unknown evil power. The voice itself was unearthly. There was no substance to it. It sounded as if... as if it came from the darkness itself. No. No, I don't believe you. It's the truth, Elaine. There's nothing more I can do. We'll have to notify the police. Tell me it's not the truth, David. Tell me it's not true. I'm sorry, Elaine. I wish I could. The father's dead. After the burial, Dr. Hesselius got in touch with me. He said that he wanted to meet both Elaine and Brian, that he wanted to talk to the three of us. Accordingly, a few nights later, he came out to their house. Miss Davis, will you tell me just when you saw the first manifestation? The night Brian was in Detroit. Now, Miss Davis, you have even seen this apparition in the company of other people, is that correct? Yes. The night at David's apartment. All right. Now I'll tell you what I think. You are in deadly danger, Miss Davis. These beings want to claim you. So far, they have had no success. Only in the darkness do they have power. Little by little, step by step, they have been removing the obstacles in their way to reaching you. First your mother, and then your father, Miss Davis. Both died in the same fashion. In the darkness, death struck at them. Now tell me, do you feel their presence here in this room as I talk to you? Yes. Turn out the lights, Brian. Stand by the switch, if you please, Brian. If anything happens, turn the lights back on. All right. Dr. Vasilius, I don't... Do you want me to continue working with you? 
Yes, sir. All right, then. Brian, turn off the lights. Yes, Doctor. The room now is in darkness, Miss Davis. Do you feel or see anything? No, I... Yes. Yes, I do. Do you see anything? Yes. Be quiet, you fool. I know what I'm doing. In front of me. The darkness gathering together into a huge, terrible... Not only do you see us, Miss Davis, but everyone else in the room also will see the vague shapes forming themselves in the blackness. We do not want you, Dr. Hesilius. The girl we want. We advise you to drop this case. You will only bring down the wrath of the shadow people upon your head. The girl. We want the girl. Do not stop us. Let us take her now. Turn on the light. They're gone. Miss Davis, are you all right? Yes. Yes, I am. Just as she said. The darkness. I, I saw it form into something, too. So did I. What are we going to do, Dr. Hesilius? At the present moment, I don't know. But it's much I do know. You must leave this house immediately. You must try to get out of their reach. I don't know if that is possible. I hope it is. I shall have to return to my home. I must learn if there's some manner by which we can defeat these creatures. For the moment, leave this house. Dispose of it. In any manner you may see fit, but leave this house. Back now to our story, an original tale of fantasy by Richard Thorne, entitled The Shadow People. We spent the night in my apartment, the three of us. The following day, Brian and Elaine made arrangements to dispose of the house. In the afternoon, Dr. Hesilius called me and asked that I come to see him. David, I'm glad you're here. Anything new, Doctor? Yes and no. You realize, of course, that this spiritual manifestation is not new, that it has gone on for centuries. No, I wasn't aware of that. It's true, David. De Maupassant wrote uh, what was supposedly a fiction story about the manifestation, David. He called it uh, Orla. However, according to the information here on my desk, it was taken from an actual case history. Of course, he embroidered the story, added a few touches to something he didn't realize actually existed. But have you found anything with which we can fight them? Everything depends upon an answer I received from a colleague of mine in Paris, Dr. Henri Renault. I dispatched a telegram to him last night. Well, why hasn't he answered by now? There are certain things that must be done. It will take a few days, I'm afraid. We have to wait, David. There's nothing else we can do. next few days, the house was sold, and Brian and Elaine moved into a newer, more modern home a few miles from my apartment. Cecilia said it might take a few days for them to build up their power. I spent the nights at the new house. The lights were left on, and I watched for any unusual occurrence. In the daytime, I'd return to my apartment and get some sleep. About four days after Elaine and Brian moved into the new house, I was at home when Cecilius phoned me. Hello? David? Yes, Dr. Cecilius? I hate to tell you this, David. 
What's the matter? What's wrong? They were a step ahead of me, David. I just received word that Renault died or was killed. At the very moment I sent the telegram to him. Step by step, they had outwitted us. For they had anticipated every move we'd make. Even Dr. Hesselius was at a loss as to what to do. He agreed to meet me at the Davis house. What did you want to see us about, Dr. Hesselius? Did you find out anything more? I'm sorry to say that I haven't. At the moment, I'm at a complete loss. I don't know what to do. But what did you want to see us about this evening? Merely to check, to see if anything else has happened. Miss Davis, have you seen or heard anything? Not in the house. Only in my dreams. Your dreams? Yes. When I go to sleep at night, in my dreams, in the darkness, I see them. And it's grown worse, much worse. I was hoping that it would not have progressed so far. There has been no disturbance in this house, but now they disturb your sleep, Miss Davis. Now, you must stay awake for as long as you can. I want the three of you to move into my house. Perhaps that will give you more protection. That night, we moved over to Vesilius' house. Perhaps Elaine would have more protection there. From there, we might be able to devise some plan of action, some way to beat those beings. For a few days, things were quiet. The shadow people seemed to have withdrawn. For a while, I thought that we might have succeeded in thwarting their purpose. Elaine no longer complained of troubled sleep. But that condition lasted for a few days only. About ten days later... They made themselves known and felt again. That night, we were in the study. When suddenly, Hesselius whirled around and... Elaine, what are you looking at? Outside the house. Right where the light waves off, I see them. She's right, Dr. Hesselius. I can see them, too. What should we do, Doctor? Nothing. What do you mean, nothing? There's nothing we can do. We can't just... We can't do anything, Brian. Don't you understand that they have us at their mercy? The greatest man in my field was Henri Renault. If he could do nothing against them... What do you think we can do? He's right, Brian. There's nothing we can do. As long as the house remains lighted, just so long will they remain outside. If the lights were... To... <laughs> that sounds... When my father was killed. The same sound. We heard the same sound. The lights. What's happened to oh, the lights, all right? Be quiet, please. I thought of this emergency... A candle. That's right, Miss Davis. As long as this burns, this one candle will be safe. For they cannot advance into the light. They are limited by the darkness. As long as the candle burns, they will have to remain outside of this room. <laughs> Around you, in every room of the house, in the darkness outside, we are around you. This time you shall not escape. This time we will blame you. Take it easy, Brian. I, I can't stand it. I'm getting out of here. Brian, come back. Don't you fool. I'm going after him. Stay here. We just can't let him go. He won't have a chance. I doubt it. <laughs> Miss Davis, I'm afraid that your brother is dead. <laughs> The wind, Doctor. Listen to the wind. I know. Yes, Doctor. Listen to the wind. You must realize 
by now that the three of you haven't a chance. You must know in your minds that we can destroy you at any moment we desire. But, Dr. Hesselius, you may still save your own life. Let the others go. Give them to us. No. No, you will have to take all of us. Shall we destroy your light? Shall we move in on you now? <laughs> as you will. Do as you will. I'm sorry, David. The candle is out. In the darkness. The figure is in the darkness. and events portrayed in these programs are fictional, and any similarity to actual events or persons living or dead is purely coincidental. That was The Shadow People, an episode of the 1950s show Hall of Fantasy. And uh, you are listening to the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast, dedicated to suspense and horror stories from the golden age of radio. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. And this episode, The Shadow People, was selected by Tim. Yes. And Tim, uh, I have a lot I want to discuss about this. I'm sure we all do. But as we always do, let's start with uh, you and uh, why you selected this and what this uh, show means to you. Uh, this show, this story, for uh, reasons that I'm anxious to actually discuss, uh, it just works really well for me. The The way that these things are presented and the sort of nature of the universe that this story presents is really chilling to me. It, it really, really scares me. Uh, uh, and so that this, this episode in particular is one of the reasons I was interested in doing this podcast is to talk about things like this that I think still really, really work. 
I'll see if you guys agree with me. So that's the uh, end of the show. Tim has decided <laughs> that it is still scary by today's standards. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. What in particular uh, moment, scene, thing uh, scares you? Let me ask you this first. Yeah. When's the first time you heard this? Was uh, it years ago? or A few years ago. Not and, like childhood years. Right. But. And you re-listened to it for this podcast. Did it stand the test of time from that to that? Mostly, yes. I think it made a really strong impression the first time I listened to it, and the next time I had a little bit more critical ear, but still, uh, I think just the omnipresence of these creatures that are always there, and there's no mm-hmm. real fix for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything in particular other, other than omnipresent characters and creatures that we can't see? Yeah, uh... There is, I can't remember the word, it'd be so cool if I had it, but um, it's this word that is the fear of genuinely alien things. Uh, like, and it's, it's hard to describe because it's when you see something you can't describe. It doesn't fit into your <laughs> model of what can be. And it's I, called chocophobia. Really? <laughs> nope. Damn it. I just took the word chaka and added phobia to it. I've, I've never Mar- heard that word before. I'm scared of it. <laughs> well, no, it's Marshall, alien. Will, and Holly had chocophobia oh, for about five minutes before they realized that's a monkey. <laughs> yeah, but I know what you're saying. Like, there's got to be a word for that. Yes. Uh, and so that that is the feeling I have listening to this of, of I buy into these creatures that are just always there. It's so horrible and supernatural, but also kind of mundane in the way they present it. I'm sorry, I'm babbling, but... No, no, absolutely. (laughs) Babbling on a podcast? (laughs) Unheard of, Tim. Get it together. Sorry, I know we're podcasting, but I'm talking. (laughs) Joshua, what was your thoughts? Well, the moment in this episode that really caught me, I think, was when uh, Dr. Hacilius comes to the house and it's almost like a seance thing, and the shadow people speak to him. Yeah. They recognize him, and I think that's the moment where it is elevated for me because you realize, okay, Dr. Hesalius is real enough that the shadow people know him, right? Know him enough to sort of say, mm-hmm. hey, we, hey, we, we don't want you around here, right. Mr. I know stuff about the supernatural. Beat it, and we'll spare your life. And it becomes this sort of interchange, and at that point, I think is where I felt there were some stakes because I sort of felt, okay... I now trust that this doctor is in a crackpot, right? Mm-hmm. Because the, the the shadow people know him, and he's been given shadow cred. <laughs> he's got shadow cred, right? And uh, to me, it then suggests this world, these two dark worlds. Uh, well, the dark world, the shadow people, and people fighting the shadow people that exist in our real world, right? You know, I wasn't explained very much that, that how they would know him. And I, and I didn't care. And you know me how I always want explanations to things. And I didn't care. Either they sensed that he was some kind of seance, savior, spiritualist, guiding them through this. Or he had come in contact with them before. And so I agree with you. I think that was an interesting moment when they recognized mm-hmm. it. O- it opened up the world to me. And then at the end, when the doctor just says, the, the wind blew out the candle and he just says, I'm sorry. Oh, don't <laughs> jump know, to there and, yet. And it was like, whoa, okay, he's given up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's no one left then. Yeah, I'm uh, sorry. He just called the French guy, the French supernatural oh, yeah. expert, and he dropped dead. So there's no one else <laughs> left. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You just know that is it. That That is a, a nice move of creating this illusion of a greater authority you can appeal to and then taking it away. 
Mm. I also want to say, as a horror old radio nerd moment, when they reference the Horla, uh, the story the Horla mm-hmm. by De Maupassant, that is a story that has been adapted by this time over and over again hmm. in old radio. What's the uh, story? It, it, again, it's about an invisible creature that sort of is haunting and kind of possessing people. This one, I think, is an ancient alien being. It's kind of the beginning of sort of a takeover the world, but a lot like the shadow people are now going to enter into our world and walk with people. Like, it's been done on Inner Sanctum, uh, I Love a Mystery, Weird Circle. Those Where are the only off the top of my head. I Love head. a Mystery? What, uh, what episode? Do you know? In the... Oh, I'm sorry. I said I love a mystery. Mystery in the air. Thank you. Right, I was like, it. wait a minute. No. <laughs> mystery in the air, yeah. So, the book, though, that they're referring, the story you're referring to, do you know the origins of that story? Like, does it go back hundreds of years or something? Because it sounds oldy, old-timey. <laughs> it's an older story, like at least turn of the century. I could be wrong. I'm not as familiar with the original no, uh, short say it, story. Say it again, the, the book, or the story. The Horla. The Horla. Yeah, I'm sure we will discuss one of the adaptations of the Horla because there's so many of them yeah, never, on this podcast. I've never heard of that yeah. before. So it's a nice thing because for I think listeners that time would know the Horla. It's been all over the radio, uh, in particularly in the '40s, and it also works as a sort of apology to like I know this is kind of like the Horla. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it suggests that if the Horla was based on this on the Shadow People, it suggests that these people have been around for a while, mm-hmm. and it's and they've touched other people in the world. I want to say. Uh, First of all, that so far, um, this is my absolute favorite that we picked. This is my favorite one. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) Because you didn't pick it. (laughs) This is my favorite. And uh, the reasons are, the story, I think, stands the test. I think it's very scary. Uh, But here's what I really loved about it. I thought it was written extremely well, acted really well the 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 performance was great the pacing was great how it moved and the sound effects the foley was dead on great it added to the the ambiance of being able to picture where we were and what was going on i loved every facet of this i also loved the idea you know that it's hamlet you know like everybody (laughs) dies and that's an interesting thing to discuss the idea of in horror stories, we usually have at least a few, if not one, or main characters survive the melee, survive the, the supernatural. When it happens, that we, there's, it takes away your hope. It's, it's scarier, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that is, as I understand, I haven't listened to the entirety of uh, Hall of Mystery, but that they uh, episodes tend to have a very strong good versus evil. It's very easy to identify who's who, and that good doesn't stand up against evil that well. Uh, that if you really encounter it, you are not going to do well. See, that's more terrifying to me. And Joshua just alluded to it, and it was the primo moment in this, is when that candle goes out, and the doctor says, sorry. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so sorry. did everything I could. And that, wow, Episode's really? over. <laughs> and I kept waiting, you know, because we've been bred to, to wait for the hero to come in and save the day. I'm waiting for as everybody's dying. Like, well, no, they're not all going to. Well, that's die. The, and then the doctor character is set up as the authority you go to to help you, and he's right. even got an authority. And just one by one, everything you think might be a way out of this goes away. Mm-hmm. 
until there are so many people that the shadow people have to narrate us through the end. Yes. Yeah, they're the only ones left, which is pretty effective. I yeah. mean, because you were left with no survivors. Because usually in these shows, you'll have maybe the cops come to the murder scene and sort of go over what happened to clear it up for you. But they leave you nobody. It's just the shadow people whispering in your ear. And there's an, there's an interesting phrasing here when the shadow people say, yeah, know that you are dead, Dr. Hesselius. And partly, I think it's the writer going, we want to make sure the audience knows that everyone's dead. Uh, but at the same time, it suggests that he's still tormenting him after yes. he's dead, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's a really extra chilling, even though I think it's kind of a practical note, uh, writing-wise, but ew, well, makes the, you the, shudder. The narration by the shadow people person at the end intimates maybe that he is talking to them because says now you're dead you know he's mm-hmm, talking to mm-hmm. them that they're in some kind of void or death place yeah, and yeah. he's like you know welcome and like there's a couch and <laughs> like welcome to the dead place <laughs> yeah, I think you're elaborating a little more than the author <laughs> maybe yeah. but he, the fact that he's still talking to them leaves it open ended as to are they in another realm now yeah and there's a there's a subtle little thing in the way that they handle the shadow people's voices and how they the voice I suppose rather uh, in in that it sort of creeps in and will take over somebody else's story that happened at least once. And, oh, when uh, the doctor's reading from the ancient tome yes, and he yes. starts reading and the shadow people voice comes up. It's very effective. It's yeah. very cool. I love that. I also the 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 laugh. Yeah, the, the laugh is. And we've talked about this uh, uh, device in other old-time radio uh, shows where the disembodied uh, uh, laugh or baby crying or th- that howl of a animal that we can't quite understand that interrupts a conversation. I love that. Like you're mm-hmm. talking right now and all of a sudden there's that, that noise. And like, oh, God, there it is. There's the thing. And sh- I love that. And it was creepy and uh, really well done. I like that. I want to say, at the very beginning, it felt like the dialogue was more stilted than it eventually became. To the point where, at first, I kind of was like, ah, this this is going to be maybe your more typical run-of-the-mill old horror episode. In fact, the dialogue sounded more like what I associate with, like, 30s, early 40s. Just right at the beginning. And things like where um, Drake is talking to the doctor, and he goes, well, I understand that you have great knowledge of the supernatural manifestations which have occurred on the Earth. It's all this very <laughs> formal uh, kind of stuff. and Exposition. Yeah. yeah, but, I mean, it's even in very stilted yeah. uh, high diction and things like that. But it seems to really break down, particularly around the time that uh, Elaine's mother and yeah. father die, which is pretty horrific. Although I do think the actor playing Drake has a couple uh, stumbling moments, particularly there when he's like, comforting her. Because <laughs> she's saying, tell me it's not true, David. Tell me it's not true. And he's like, I'm sorry, Elaine. I wish I could. Your father's dead. <laughs> just, you know, like, Get over it. Right. <laughs> there are worse things to come. I've read the script. <laughs> I didn't like the... One thing I didn't like is that they did that uh, 70s cop show move where they, show you, they give you a piece of what's going to happen. Oh, at the top? At the top. Yeah, it had like a weird that's flash a forward, flash forward, open. Like, like you know, Rockford Files, you know, you're going to see all these scenes coming up, and, and I don't want that. And I think that when her father dies and screams upstairs, and what was that, and they run upstairs, was less, because we knew he was about to say your father's dead, because mm-hmm. they gave that away at the beginning. I don't, yeah. I, I guess that's a way to suck you in and make you yeah, listen. It's a hook. That's a Hall of Fantasy structure to do that. And the the one nice thing about it is it ended on the laugh and didn't explain the laugh. Yeah. 
CBS Radio Mystery Theater did that. Mm. All that that was, they would start opening with uh, a scene from it, and then you'd hear that same scene later. Uh, but they didn't give something away as powerful <laughs> as your father's dead. That was a big point. Mm -hmm. There was the shadow people did at the end. <laughs> There's a moment though uh, when the doctor tells them to get rid of their house to sell it and they move to another place and then the shadow people show up there and the doctor's like well you're gonna have to come move in with me that it felt like is this just gonna be like a real estate scam <laughs> the doctor's he's just he's just picking up these houses really cheap like, oh you got some shadow people in here you better move and sell it for whatever you can and get out of here all I gotta do is kill their parents I'm yeah. making a mint <laughs> yeah, like, or uh, come like, and knock on my door <laughs> yeah, they all have a, a wacky sitcom together <laughs> yeah that they very readily moved out of the house. But I suppose, you know, in 30 minutes, got to move the plot along. Yeah, and I mean, for once, sometimes we've complained on this uh, podcast about when people don't react the way you might react in real life. Right. They've seen shadow people. They've appeared and they've spoke to them and said, you are going to die. That might motivate you to get out of your right. house. Eddie, Eddie Murphy's line about Amityville Horror. Yeah. Yeah. Nice place. Get out. Too bad we can't stay. Um... <laughs> Uh, I was going to bring that up too is the idea of what you were just saying about um, reactions of actors and dialogue being written I thought this for the most part was great I thought they did react in ways that I wanted to hear normal mm -hmm. things and yeah, like you said Drake stumbled with the get older <laughs> yeah. but, do, you, do you think that uh, Brian was intended to be a red herring early on because like both the times that the parents died he was out of the house and they had kind of weird dialogue to say oh he's he's out late again I'm just wondering if that the actor had a coughing fit and had to leave the mic or they covered for it or it felt a little like a red herring again at the beginning I was wondering oh is Brian behind this somehow right I never got the feeling of a real estate scam no of the uh, of uh, this being explained away it wasn't written in a way where I was waiting for the logical, the Scooby-Doo mm -hmm. ending, the logical explanation. It wasn't, I, the whole time I was like, oh, they're battling a supernatural force. How are they going to beat it? And that's why I love the end where they were like, uh, we're not. We're that's not. How. <laughs> we're going to die. Take yeah, that, right. shadow people. Right. So, yeah. Well, I, any other thoughts, gentlemen, on this one? I, I think this one is a foregone conclusion as to our, uh, our, uh, uh, decision. Yeah, I think it's, yeah. it's spooky still. I think it stands the test time. It's, it's a little creaky at the beginning, um, but then it really kicks into high gear for me. Yeah, it's, I, I think it stands up very well. The the voice of the monster, you have to go just a little bit along with that to accept that this guy talking is a scary monster, but if you do, it pays off a lot. <laughs> and he knows English and yeah, things like that. No, I, I thought it was great. Uh, uh, so, yeah, we all agreed. This uh, stands the test time. Fantastic. That's my squeaky chair as I sit up. <laughs> it's so scary and mysterious, Eric. Here, wait, ready? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we should have called this the squeaking chair. The squeaking podcast. chair. <laughs> <laughs> well, that does it. That, again, was the Shadow People uh, from Hall of Fantasy. Thank you, Tim. That was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, you have been listening to the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast dedicated to suspense and horror stories in the golden age of radio. If you want to know more about us or these broadcasts or anything, you can head to ghoulishdelights.com. Ghoulishdelights.com if you're not there already right now. 
And if you enjoyed this podcast, please go to iTunes and write a review about it. Say how much you liked it. That is uh, something that's going to have to be explained to me because <laughs> I'm old. But somehow you can go to iTunes and write there. <laughs> and while you're writing there, say nice things. I can't get mine to play music, which I don't understand. But good luck to you. <laughs> please explain iTunes to Eric in the comments. <laughs> Thank you so much again for listening. Once again, I am Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. And remember, until next time... Look out!